So when I started university, um, my first tutorial, incidentally, was also introduction to legal studies. Our tutor told us all we should go around the room and introduce ourselves. Hi, my name is Lisa, and explain why it is that we wanted to study law. And about two students before my chance, this gentleman got up and he said, Hi, my name is Justice. And of course, the whole uh, class, the whole that uh, laughed and the tutor was like, no, 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 it's fine. You, you don't have to say why it is that you've decided to pursue a career in law, right? So those of us with an altruistic spirit, those of us with a giving spirit, uh, might have chosen to go into law not because we uh, assume that there's a lot of money, which incidentally is an incorrect assumption. Sorry for those of you that are hoping to line your pockets by virtue of a law degree. But in any event, a lot of us pursue a law a career in law because we believe in this concept of justice or hopefully because we believe in this concept of justice. But what does this concept actually entail, right? And I won't, for this, the purposes of this unit, go too in-depth with this. But essentially, many philosophers, even from way back when in the earliest times of the Greek philosophers, debated this concept around what justice entails. And two different uh, concepts are born out of this. And the one is corrective justice and the other one is distributive justice. Now, I wanted to think of Think of Kaya and think of how we know people live chock-a-block there. If we've driven a past there, in fact, some of us might be might be staying in Kaya and we know that the city doesn't provide sufficient sanitation and we know that there's high levels of poverty and there's high levels of crime. And then we drive and we, let's say we, I'm using Cape Town as an example because that's my easiest reference point. So let's say we we drive past Bishop's Court, we drive past Constantia, we drive past Clifton and Seapoint, and it's these gorgeous mountains and these gorgeous ocean views, right? Of course, these people are filthy wealthy, they're dripping in money, and they really don't need to care about the lack of adequate sanitation. That's the least of their worries if they have any, right? So... What we see here is this two huge extremes in our society. And what distributive justice entails is just a crude example, right? Just a very crude example. Let's say government wants to give everybody, um, believes that people should be entitled to a 500 rand, right? Now, under the concept of distributive justice, the mothers and fathers and grandmothers and children in Kayalicha should each be given a 500 rand and the mothers and the daughters and the children uh, potentially trust fund babies in some of these very, very rich uh, places would also be required to get a 500 rand, right? And one would ask ourselves whether or not that that would constitute justice. Now, according to certain philosophers, that would constitute justice because that is distributive justice in that everybody that's the same is given the same, Right? But distributive justice is not the only concept of justice. You also get this other concept of justice called corrective justice. Now, under the concept of corrective justice, the word in and of itself gives you a hint because the word says to correct, and it's about sort of correcting these imbalances in society and ensuring that those with less are given more and those with more are given less, so that ultimately 
we can find the balance in society. But I won't go into too much depth now because we will discuss equality later uh, in this module. But for, 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 the, for purposes of now, you need to understand that we've got procedural law and we've got substantive law and both aspects of law are aimed at ensuring that justice prevails, right? That ultimately justice uh, comes out at the end, right? That justice is served, right? So now with procedural law, these are the nuts and bolts. These are the inner workings, the rules, right? How it is that we go about ensuring through legal process, we make sure that there's fairness in the system, that the that the rules are being applied correctly, right? That the substantive rules are being applied correctly. So this procedure is an example of a procedure would be that a police officer can't just walk into your your house and look under the couch to find if uh, the knife is there that they suspect you might have used in order to kill your neighbor, right? The police officer can't just uh, walk in there under ordinary circumstances, unless it's certain exceptions, the police officer would need to secure a warrant, right? And that is a procedure, a procedure set out in law, a procedural requirement in order to ensure that your right to privacy is protected, right? So another procedural requirement would be when an accused person is arrested and then the accused person is informed, you have a right to remain silent, right? Even up until the point of being in court, when somebody comes onto the stand to speak, an accused person cannot be forced to take the stand and speak if he wants to, or he or she wants to remain silent. That is what we talk about when we refer to procedural or formal justice, right? Now, the other aspect of justice we get is substantive or material justice. And this form of justice is the, the substantive or material law. It uh, sets out the rules. It sets out the what is required. What are the rules? What, what standards need to be met in order for a particular law to apply, right? Or in order for, let's say, an accused person, we've been using criminal law as an example, in order for an accused person to be convicted right so let's say for instance uh under the crime of murder we learned a bit about our different legal sources and we've got the common law and the common law sets out the crime of murder right and the crime of murder has certain requirements and one of which is that you must have intention right we all know the the famous oscar pastorius case and did he have the intention to kill river did he have the intention to kill his girlfriend or did he lack the requisite intention and he was guilty of culpable homicide and not murder, right? Those rules that were debated with the Oscar Pistorius case, whether we are dealing with intention or whether we are dealing with negligence, that this, that's the substantive law that we're talking about. That's, that's the, the, the law that gives meaning and content to the different legal rules.